Today's scripture reading comes from the book of Ruth, chapter 1, verses 1 through 22. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem in Judah went to live in the country of Moab, he and his wife and two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi. The names of his two sons were Malon and Chilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem in Judah. They went into the country of Moab and remained there. But Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died, and she was left with her two sons. These took Moabite wives. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other Ruth. When they had lived there about ten years, both Malon and Chilion also died, so that the woman was left without her two sons and her husband. When she started to return with her daughters-in-law from the country of Moab, she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had considered his people and given them food. So she set out from the place where she had been living, she and her two daughters-in-law, and they went on their way to go back to the land of Judah. But Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant you may find security each of you in the house of your husband. And then she kissed them, and they wept aloud. They said to her, No, we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, Turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Do I still have sons in my womb that they may become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. Even if I thought there was hope for me, even if I should have a husband tonight and bear sons, would you then wait until they were grown? Would you refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, it has been far more bitter for me than for you, because the hand of the Lord has turned against me. Then they wept again. Oprah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung on to her. So she said, See, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, do not press me to leave you or to turn back from following you. Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God my God. Where you die, I will die. There will I be buried. May the Lord do thus, and so to me, and more as well, even if death parts me from you. When Naomi heard that she was determined to go with her, she said no more to her. So the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women said, Is this Naomi? And she said to them, Call me no longer Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt bitterly with me. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has dealt harshly with me, and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? So Naomi returned together with Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, who came back with her from the country of Moab. They came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
There's not a single one of us that is immune to trouble or hardship or loss or tragedy at different times in life. And the, the book of Ruth, and essentially uh, this first chapter, uh, opens up a story that uh, many of us may have encountered in our lives in, in all sorts of different ways, maybe in small ways or uh, maybe in difficult ways, that um, often there's hardship in our lives. Uh, now, it becomes even harder when um, that bad day or that bad circumstance uh, begins to pile on top of one another and eventually we come to a point to where hopelessness begins to set in. Um, hopelessness is the point in life that we come to to where we feel like it doesn't get any better than this and right now it's terrible. And so terrible is as good as I'm ever going to feel ever again. And that's such a hard, dark, cold, and lonely place to be. And yet we encounter the reality that sometimes life feels that way. The story of Naomi begins with um, hardship and calamity as a famine has uh, come upon the land. And, and so uh, Naomi and her husband and her two sons have to go to a foreign land to just find food to survive. And as they go, uh, at some point after they've made it to Moab, Naomi's husband dies. And so uh, the sons take wives and begin to care for the family, provide for the family. But um, after almost about a decade of surviving on the fringes, her sons die as well. And so worse has become harder, has become darker, has become more lonely, and we're only in the first paragraph of the story. And so Naomi begins to realize that she has to go back home because she's heard rumors that there's at least some food back home again. But she realizes that um, as her story has ended, there's, there's no good news left in her life, then at least the uh, merciful thing that she can do is allow her daughters-in-law, the only people she has left, to go back home to their parents' houses so they can find husbands back home and they can at least be cared for and at least have a future to their lives. And so she sends them back, but one of them, Ruth, refuses to go, clings to her, and gives the, the famous lines that, that many of us know, uh, that your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die. Sort of the definition of loyalty that we get at this point, this, this forming of relationship with others. And it comes at a point to where as Naomi sees that this is the end of her story and the end of her life, she's simply going back home uh, to find the food that she needs to eventually die. She's trying to give Ruth a future back, but now Ruth is giving up her future so that she can stay with her mother-in-law. Life comes in these storms, these madness of chaos and of tragedy and of hurt and so many times in our lives. And it's so difficult to not isolate, to not push others away, to not allow the darkness or the hurt or the grief to make us feel as if we're all alone. 
The story of Ruth and Naomi is a story of the power of relationships, of loving other people. And that comes in the first steps, that as they make it back to Judah, they've, they've swapped roles in their lives as they go back to Naomi's homeland. At the beginning of the story, uh, Naomi was the foreigner in a distant and a far and a foreign land, and, and Ruth was the local. But now as they go back to Judah, Ruth is the one in a foreign and confusing and difficult land, and Naomi is the local. But Naomi has felt that her story is over, that God's hand has been against her, that the end of her chapter uh, of what God has planned for her is bitterness and is loss. But we get some hints uh, right here at the end of the story that God is still up to something going on here. And it comes as soon as they walk back into the village, as soon as they come back to Bethlehem, to her city, that the, the community begins to buzz and begins to get excited and, and begins to say, is this not Naomi? She's been gone for over 10 years, and yet those relationships are still there to recognize her coming back home. And she doesn't see it yet. She still sees the end of her story being written. She still sees this calamity and this hardship and this hand of God sort of pressing her down. That obviously there's something so terrible in my life that God has separated me from my future and I'm only here to die. But the relationships that we feel like, when we get to those difficult moments in space, where we might not be able to feel God's hope, we not, might not be able to see joy in the moment, we, not, we might not be able to see any future with God at all. Oftentimes the first touch that we have of something that's loving, of something that's compassionate, of, of something that's merciful, comes from the relationship of those that are around us, from friends, family members, neighbors, that when we can't feel God moving, we can at least feel our neighbors and our loved ones becoming closer to us. And that becomes the first thread that God needs to show of a larger story that's still being woven, that's still being told, that there is still something better coming that they never would have been able to imagine. When we talk about a method for our madness, we acknowledge as Christians that life sometimes just gets out of control. That there is hardship, that there is grief, that there is loss, that there is rejection, there's isolation. That there's all these dark moments in life that, that almost seem to be tearing relationships and tearing the, this world apart. And yet we as believers... And especially we as Methodist believers, it's kind of built right into our name. We're methodical about certain practices, about certain things as disciples that, that remind us that there is still hope in times that seem hopeless, that there is still joy in times that seem joyless, that there are still moments where God is at work when it seems like everything else is falling apart. It seems like the world is being torn apart by its seams, and yet we as disciples are able to see that God is still knitting new stories together. And something is incredible at work. 
So this week, we talk about loving others. The relationships that are formed that help us through those dark and difficult times. But not only us, we recognize that we are sometimes those neighbors. We are sometimes those friends and those family members that others need to see and to feel in those difficult moments. And there's no large bumper stickers or platitudes or Bible verses that are sometimes going to make the hurt go away. But sometimes there's loving conversations. Sometimes there's just sitting in silence through pain. Sometimes there's just being close to one another and recognizing that we are walking through life together and that we are not alone in this life. And that relationship begins to be the first sign of something new, of something loving, something peaceful, something hopeful, and something joyful on the horizon. Naomi came back to Bethlehem to die. The end of her story was written. She had no one left. And yet, as she came, she came back with the daughter-in-law that refused to leave and found that God was still moving in something she never could have imagined. And I invite you to go home and to read the rest of the story this week. As there are some family members that Naomi didn't even realize were still around. And Ruth is able to begin a relationship, is able to remarry. And eventually, the very last paragraphs of this story of Naomi, the one who asked her community to call her bitter because God's hand was against her, ends this story with her grandchild nuzzled in her chest, recognizing that God provided a way and a story that she never could have imagined in that moment. And what Naomi might have seen as the fulfilling of God's blessing in her life, even in that moment for us, we realize was even bigger than anything Naomi realized. Because that baby that she carried and recognize that God still had a voice and a thread of life and of joy and of hope in her story, was named Obed. Obed had a son named Jesse. Jesse had a bunch of sons. Some of them fought in different wars and refused to come out and fight a giant, except for his youngest son, named David. So Jesse's youngest son, David, would become king. And the city that they were born in would become known as the city of David. And even generations further than David, another couple would one time return back home to Bethlehem. When it looked like there wasn't much to greet them there and their story and different kings and prophecies were stacked against them, gave birth to a baby son and named him Jesus. That first promise of deliverance for all of us came from a relationship that started right here in the first chapter of the book of Ruth. Of a woman who felt like her story was written and over. And yet God said, even through the touches of relationships that will get you through this moment, I am not done speaking life over you yet.
So let us build those relationships that help carry us through some of the most difficult times in our lives where we come alongside other people and we're the first loving touches of mercy, of compassion, of grace, and of hope and becomes the first threads of a story that will not only change somebody's life, but can help change the world. Amen and amen. Will you bow your head with me as we pray this morning? Almighty and gracious God, we give you thanks. Lord, we give you thanks because your story is not over just yet. Lord, hardship and madness and chaos and darkness are not the final chapters of our story. But Lord, there is hope, there is healing, there is grace, and there is mercy that is sometimes impossible to see in that moment. But Lord, let us see it in the relationships first that are closest to us. And friends and family members and neighbors. And allow us in turn to be the neighbors and the friends and the family that others need most. That Lord, as we come into your kingdom, allow us to be used to tell your story and to show your grace and your mercy. As we do all these things in Jesus' name, amen and amen.